yesterday as I was stood, I came in to prepare to speak, because I like to, I don't like, unless I have to, I like to prepare my, minute, my, my uh, messages the very latest I can. Don't mean a Sunday morning, but I mean the latest I can. So it's always fresh in my spirit. Because if you do it at the beginning of the week, your thoughts get filled. But I always like to do it. Anyway, that's just my way. It's not, it's not the, the way, it's just my way. And as I was, I'd spent two hours preparing on something, and I just looked out the window, and the Holy Spirit just arrested me. And he just went, what are you doing speaking on that? This is the way we're going. So, okay, went back, to, went back to the drawing board, started again, clean piece of paper. And this way, you might think, well, why did God tell you to speak this? Because he did. And this is where we're going. You might think, well, that's not really helped me. Take it or leave it. That's the offer. That's the deal or no deal today. So if I read, if I read out to you Jeremiah 29, 11, you all like that, don't you? He says, but I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. Everybody ever heard that scripture? Read that scripture? Okay, how does it make you feel? Confident? Good? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. That's a good word. That's the word I've got down. It's encouraging. It's hopeful. It gives hope. And it gives, it causes, when that hope comes in, it causes you to be thankful. Amen? And when those key words are heard, it ignites, inspires your whole heart, your soul, the imagination. God's got plans for me. God, this God of this universe has thought about me and wants to use me. Is that, is that how you receive that word when it comes? Are you sure? Okay. It ignites your spirit, doesn't it? It empowers your spirit and certainly empowers the imagination. But in your excitement, you know I'm going now, don't you? In your excitement, did any of you ever take into account the context that it was spoken in? This hope was spoken in the hope that it would get a response to a nation. Some would say, I'm not bothered about the context. It gave me hope. It gave me encouragement. It inspired me. Now, there's a difference between when God speaks a word to you prophetically, right, God uses the scripture. In, when we read scripture, we have an historical context and we have a prophetic context. Okay? So when we read about Israel, we can be reading about all the, the details and you think, that's boring, that's just history. But God can speak prophetically to us out of that history and give you an individual word that sets your heart alight. True? That's a beautiful thing about the Bible. See, to, to a theologian, he just reads it in historical context. He never lets the word come alive. He, they never receive the word, the preceding word that, that inspires their imagination. So it depends on what, how you read in the Bible. It depends how God's speaking from his Bible to us, from his own word. 
So when God speaks to us, are we Israel? No. We're the church. So why would God speak to us from Israel? Because he wants to encourage us. Because all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. All scripture. So many people say, well, the Old Testament, we don't need it today. What? You're numpty. If we don't need it, why do we have 66 books in the Bible? People just think we just, someone just decided to collect these books and put them in. We call it the canon of scripture. We were talking about this last night. It's called the canon of scripture that was decided through the Nicene Creed by the Holy Ghost that 66 is the number. Not 65, not 67. 66 books. The Holy Spirit has decided we need the full picture. Some other faiths will have more, but we've got 66. God determined that from heaven. So when he puts something in, he puts it in for our use, for our purpose, because God's name, God's word will go on forever and ever and ever. Amen? So his words are right, his words are true, but there is a context to this word. So though you may have taken great encouragement, this was the first word I ever received, prophetic word I received on the day I got baptized. And the elder prophesied it to me, and it meant the world to me. It meant the world to me, because I didn't even know what prophecy was. But I knew what he was saying to me was something I'd never heard before. And little did I know, me standing here is part of that plan. Yeah? So when God says he's got plans for you, I was part of it. That's frightening, that, isn't it? To think that I'm in, I'm in your plan, and you're in my plan. Because we didn't see each other when we say God's got plan. We don't see the people, do we? And we're in each other's plan. It's all according to the master's plan. So you're in my plan and I'm in your plan. You're not always in my daily planner, but you're in my plan. This is the way God does it. It's God's dot to dot. He brings people from all over the world to be part of the plan. I love it. So plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We all want to hear that. But these people were not in that context. They weren't in that situation. Wow. They wasn't in that, in that context. They were taken into captive. Captivity, you should say. In Babylon. They were there for 70 years. 70 years they were in captive. So when God gives them that word, they wasn't in that context of feeling great. But it was a word they needed. Yes, it was a word they needed. And Cyrus later on would come, King Cyrus would come and be the king to bring them out of their 70 years captivity. So when they were in captivity, the prophetic word comes by Jeremiah, who himself is part of the captivity. So it's possible, church, to prophesy when you're in captivity. It's possible, church, to be held captive somewhere, but captivity not being you. It's possible. Just because you're in a bad situation does not mean to say you can't prophesy your way out. Because if something enters inside of you, then it'll shut you down. But you can be in a bad situation, but the bad situation not being you. It's possible. 
Can you imagine Jeremiah saying, Lord, I can't open my mouth. We're held captive here. I don't feel like it today. Jeremiah, open your mouth and speak. Jeremiah spoke because inside of Jeremiah, he wasn't a captive. He was God's servant. So Jeremiah, let's read the context now of what Jeremiah was talking about. So Jeremiah 29, let's start at verse 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I've sent, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Okay? So captivity, exile is the context. Then he says, for I know the plans. Yes? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now we must understand what the Bible's teaching us here. God is trying to teach us something from this whole captivity. I believe that our nation is in captivity. But I'm not. Do you understand this? Let's put this into context. Nations of the world are in and under the influence of the evil one. Most nations are in captivity. But captivity doesn't have to be in the church. But in most churches, the captivity of society has come into the church through the people. God has got to speak to a remnant of people to rise in the midst of captivity. God has got to find a remnant of people who can prophesy into the nation despite it being captive. Come on. We have religious freedom in this nation, albeit it's slowly being ebbed away. But right now we still have freedom. We don't have, we don't have to be licensed by our government to stay open. Many nations, certainly in Eastern Bloc countries, they have to be licensed, China or Asia, I should say, wherever communism's around, you have to be licensed so that the government can control you. In Asia or say in Middle East, most churches then go underground because they won't let the, the government dictate to them, so they go underground. But it's a time when underground has to be above the ground. The church grows and God says, that's great for a period of time, but now let's come on both. Now we've got majority, or now we've got some army, let's go. Many, many Iranians have come to England to find Christ, and when they got here, they settled for materialism. Many Africans came to England for a better gospel, better life, and then the materialism contaminated them. God brought you somewhere out of his goodness, and where he brought you, you didn't use it accurately. We're in the Western country, I'm English and I'm in a Western country, but I also don't use accurately what God's given me. So we're all subject to the powers of this world. But we have the mind of Christ. So we can be in the midst of captivity, but captivity not being us. So he says here, seek the peace of the city to which I've carried you. 
Seek the peace of the city to which I have carried you. So let me just speak to our overseas people. God has carried you into a nation. Your responsibility now is to seek the peace alongside us. Your heart cannot always be all back home. If God has brought you to a city, he says, seek the peace of that city. Come on. Let's be honest. Let's be righteous. Let's be right about this. If God's brought us into a place to, to advance you and excel you, which he has, you must seek the peace of the city. You must. This is, I just wish God would give me all the nations of the world and let me just give this message about cultures and tribes when they come into one city, how they must all develop the city for the same common good. It's somebody's responsibility to better our city. And I'm going to tell you who that responsibility is in a minute. I believe every tribe, tongue, and nation has to be brought here by the Lord. God has brought nations to here, to this nation. And God has sent us to other nations. God has done that to better cities. To better cities, to improve them. Not just to take advantage of them, not just to enjoy, enjoy a nice life, a better life. That's the benefit, that's not necessarily the purpose. The purpose is to go and make your life, Christian life, count. Amen? That is the purpose. So he brings every tribe and tongue and nation and he, brought, he brings them here. Now it's our responsibility, once you're here, to collectively get together and seek the peace of the city. It's our responsibility. Then he says, pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You can't be, I've decided that this is my city for life, for godliness, for good, for bad, for ugly. I can't just opt out. If you're a true servant of God, you must listen to what heaven is saying. You can't just be moving around just because of economics. Now, I know people come from all different environments, and it's not as stable, so I'm speaking from a stable economic nation perspective. I've not been threatened. I've got nobody raping my family, nobody pillaging my family, so I'm reasonably coming from a stable nation. I understand people leave nations for all different reasons. But once you've left and you arrive and you put down roots, that's different. How you got here is different. But the fact that you got here, thank God. Some of those people from Indonesia didn't get. Some of Indonesia, where was they going from? From Italy? Where's it, Matt? One of the African nations, where was it? Libya. Libya, thank you. All those people didn't make it. Tragedy. Tragedy. But many have made it. Now, once you made it, thank God. Thank God that God spared your life and put you in a different place. But now you're here. Get on page. Find out what God's doing in the city and seek the peace of it. Why? Because you have an interest. If it prospers, so do you. It's, it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. Jeremiah, pray for the city. You're in exile. It's not your nation, but pray for it. They, they had every reason to be sat there in bitterness. Some, some people who come to England don't want to come to England, but they're forced. Circumstances and situation force them. If you go to, is it, um, what's that name? Is it Engati? What's that place in France, Andy, right on the border where, where the migrants are all there? Is it Engati or something like that? Yes, yeah, right. No, it's right near Calais. 
There's a place there, where, and they call it the village. And most of those migrants don't want to come to England. They would rather be in, in, the nation, in their own nation, but because of circumstances, they're forced out. But once you get there, change. Or go back and change your own nation. But find somewhere and seek the peace of it. Pray to the Lord because pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. For if it prospers, you too will prosper. So there's a motivation and a promise given. Yes? He said, be careful of false prophets. Every nation's got false prophets. Have you noticed that? Who prophesy all manner of things to make you stay. You know, government officials are false prophets. Now, not, let's just move that comment to one side a minute. False prophets must mean at one point in time you was original. I'm not talking about government officials now. I'm talking about false prophets who prophesy in the name of the Lord. At one time, they must have been genuine for them now to become false. That's frightening. So they came from out of amongst us. They came from amongst us. Do you know, the wrong leader can send you into captivity. The, long, the wrong spiritual leader or the wrong national leader can send a people into captivity. You know, thank God that God has always given us in the West, despite what you might think, God has always given us leaders that's kept bread on the table, give you an opportunity to work, give an opportunity to change your life. Thank God we've got a stable nation. Despite, but guess what? They're still not godly, but God still has used them. Because there's a remnant in the nation praying. God's looking for the remnant. Listen, we are not the majority we think we are. You write that right down. We are not the majority we think we are. But we don't need to be the majority. We're a minority. And that minority seems to be diminishing every year. The more humanistic our society becomes, our minority is decreasing. But we don't need the majority. We just need the right company of people. We only need 300 to take the armies. God's looking for a remnant. And I believe there's a remnant in Manchester. And I don't just mean only us. There's others. Yes, and it can't only just be us because then we just become elitist. There's others. And when I say us, I'm not referring to necessarily all of us. God knows. God knows who's the remnant. It's not for me to say him and her and not them. God might say, what about you? Only God knows. Let God do the sifting. Yeah? And when the times have reached the moment, he says, I'll come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. So there's been promises spoken over our nation. Just like this, you'll find in every nation, God has spoken prophetic promises over every nation. Come on. Now, it's up to someone to catch the promise in the spirit and then go back to that nation to see it come to pass. Hello. Now, God has brought some people from across the nations to help us fulfill the promises that God has spoken to our nation. And... We prophesied in a, couple, a couple of months ago in our authentic sonship that it's time for some of our overseas people to go back 
pioneer, and pioneer, not, be, not being contaminated, to hear the word of the Lord, to go back and to build the nation. Amen? Now, if our government said that, they'd say that's a great way of getting rid of migrants. But that's not our way at all. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to reform the nation. Because we, we are concerned. See, God is allowing people to come into our nation and into our church to be trained to go back to the nations. We're going to be ascending church. Amen? We don't want everybody sat on their blessed assurance. We're not interested in the capacity of our church, the seating capacity of our church. We're more concerned about our ascending capacity. Our ascending capacity is far greater than our seating capacity. Hello? So, you might need to give up that chair because somebody else might need it. You might be going on a mission. He said, when, when the times have reached their moment, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise. Do we know our moment? We must know our moment for when God is about to act and bring to pass all that has been spoken. There's a moment for Great Britain by the prophets, they will know and they will declare it's time to come out. God has already spoke to us about our nation, about her being in a cave. The Lazarus factor. And he told the church, the remnant, to keep calling her out. Because at the right time, she'll come. She'll hear the word and Lazarus will come out of the cave. Now what puts a church in a cave? Fear. So, the kingdom must come. Christ must be revealed. The city, excuse me, the city must be transformed. Christ, kingdom must come. Christ must be revealed. The church must be reformed. The city must be transformed. It starts with a nation, or should the church, a remnant praying, though the nation's in captivity. Come on, see it. The nation's in captivity, but you're not. So therefore then, the shackles that's on our nation is not on you. You're free to speak so that we can prophesy because there's going to come a moment when God's going to say, now Lazarus is beginning to wake up and, she, and she's coming out. But she won't come out until someone calls her. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Do we know the plans that God has for our nation? Church, don't get so caught up in your own life that you forget the bigger picture. We take it for granted that our nation will always be free. We take it for granted that our nation will always be successful. We have a great history, but what's our future like? You can't feed somebody on a great history. You feed somebody on a future. You getting this? So we've got to be very careful that we know what we're about. Now, right now, right here, right now, this week, we have a very, very important week ahead of us. A very, very important week ahead of us. As a nation, we're going to the voting booth. Yeah? To decide what government we want to serve the people. Yeah? But is that the right thing to expect? No. The voters will go to the booths expecting the government to serve the people and give them what the people need and maybe want. 
I know that's part of a government coming to power. What we must see is that we want the government that will serve the will of God. Any nation that serves the will of God will look after its people. But not every nation that serves the the will of people will serve the mind of God. There are, how many of you know, in the Bible, there are sheep and there are goat nations. Anybody know that? And at the end time, God will look to the sheep nations, the ones that can be led, the ones that can hear his voice, and then there are the goat nations that just bought, resist. We, it's our job to make sure Great Britain, despite what's coming in, despite what we see with our eyes, our nation never becomes a goat nation. It's our responsibility. We always want to be a sheep nation. Now, we can see more and more and more that our nation is changing from a sheep to a goat. Why? Because more goats are coming into our nation, changing the philosophy. We've got goats in parliament. We've got goats in counseling of, in offices, local election, uh, local councillors. We've got goats in industry. We've got people working to move this country away from Christianity towards humanism. And then you've got another, another. You've got the um, Islam. He's moving. To, to become a goat nation inside this nation so that Britain becomes a goat nation resisting God and setting up another ashrapole, another shrine so that our nation eventually bows down and worships Muhammad. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Might as well just send the email to him now and say, it's not going to happen. Why? Because fight on and we'll win. Now you might think, well, Islam's is increasing. So what? So what? It's a minority. It's never a majority. The gay lesbian propaganda, they are a minority. But guess what? They've learned to say something with their minority. So we've got to learn that. We've got to learn that we must have a voice in our nation. We don't need to be the majority to have impact. We are, see, when you listen to these lobbyists and these, these, right, you know, these gay rights or whatever rights you want to put, they always give the impression that there's more of them. But they've known how to influence all the strategic entrance points into the city to give you the imagination that they're bigger than you. So we have to stand up and we have to push back. We're coming out of captivity. Our nation's coming out of captivity. I wish to God more people would believe it. I wish to God, it saddens me when the church goes silent at a time of election. It really does sadden me. Why? Because in the church, we've got a bunch of liberals who've decided to buckle at Christ's word and support every doctrine that's going around. Because they want to appear gender-friendly, politically-friendly. Oh, please. That's what takes your nation into captivity. There comes a time when you've got to stand up and say, wrong is wrong, right is right. Now, you need the wisdom of God to know how to say that. You need the wisdom of God. You need to know who to speak to. You don't have to get in a soapbox and shout it. Be salt and light where you are. The church has become too liberal. It's become too favorable, too respectful. Well, 
where all matters, wherever it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Yeah, I understand that scripture, but he didn't say abandon what you've got, what you've received to live at peace. They're not going to abandon what they've got to live with you. They expect you to dethrone what you believe and embrace what they've got. Not going to happen. God always looks at the works. God always looks for the remnant. God always looks for the remnant. God always looks for the remnant. A group of people, a company of people who can change something from within. That's the church. We don't need the majority. God's not looking for any specific denomination to do it. God's not even looking for the Catholics to do it. He's not looking for the Evangelicals to do it. He's not looking for the Presbyterians. He's not looking for the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the Muppets, the Maniacs. He's not looking for them. He's looking for you and for me. A denomination is not going to do it. A denomination might, might inspire people, but guess what? It comes down to you and me. It comes down to, that's it, flatline, you and me. Me and you and a dog called Boo. Me and you. So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, we see that in the first year of his reign, in the first year of the king's reign, I, Daniel, I, Daniel, observed. Thank goodness there's somebody who can observe. In the books, the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah was the one who said, I know the plans I have for you. So now Daniel has realized he's reading the words of Jeremiah. And as Daniel's reading the words of Jeremiah, his, his imagination, his heart is inspired, empowered to go and do something. One man, just one man, to go and do something. He counts the number of the years which was revealed to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. I gave my attention, right there. I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplication. What did he say to Jeremiah? Pray for the Lord, pray to, to the Lord for the city. For if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, so Daniel sees this and he says, you know what? This was the key that, that, that uh, Jeremiah worked by. I read the scriptures. I understand what God was saying. He says, so I now gave myself attention to this word and I began to pray. Why? Because by praying for my nation, my nation came out of captivity. He knew the time when his nation was about to be released. He's carrying that in his heart. God has infused him to know the time when his nation's about to be released. You getting this? So he says, I began to seek him with prayer and supplication, with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed and I said to him, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness to those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. We've committed iniquity, acted wicked and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. So he's identifying that his countrymen have actually sinned and rebelled against God. And it was that sin and rebellion that brought them into captivity. You seeing this? I am not responsible for what my forefathers did. Their blood's on their hand. But every now and then, if I can repent for, for a generation, I can do it and will do. Amen? God's not making me responsible to cleanse their sin. 
That's their responsibility and that's too late for them. But God's making me responsible for the future. The sin still hasn't been atoned for. So God is saying, look, what your father did, Tony, is not your issue. But listen, if you can acknowledge your dad's ways, right, and how they affected, if you can work from that position, clean the land, clear the atmosphere, clear the environment, I can bring the nation out. Can you see that? Clear the mess up. Clear the mess up through repentance because it's still there. The devastation is still all around. Let's clear the mess up. Let's, let's join alongside them and say, God, you know it was them who did it, but we're going to take the brunt for it. We don't mind. If it means bringing our nation out of captivity, I'm in. And that's what he did. You've got to identify with what's going on and what has gone on. Without identifying with what's gone on, you'll never take responsibility for what can come on. Yeah? How many times when your kids mess up, do the parents go back and clean the kids' mess up? It just seems like forever. It's true. You feel ashamed, don't you? You feel ashamed. And I get You do it, why? Because you're a parent. Because you want to see your kids enter a future. You don't want their mistake to ruin you. God's the same. God's the same. He wants, he's, God's given you a future. The man that says, I have plans to give you hope and a future, he wasn't necessarily talking to the guys who were in captivity. He was talking to the nation. Hello? Do you realize when our soldiers went into the First and Second World War and they heard prophecies about how Britain would come great again, you know, he weren't talking about them because many of them never came home. He was talking about a nation. When you start living beyond the nation, you don't come into it. You are a focal point on the ground. But sometimes you're prophesying for your kids' future and your children's children's future. Come on. Not everything you, you do for God has to benefit you. It must benefit. That's called legacy. Now, if you have that thinking, God can build legacy into the church. But if everything you do for God's got to benefit you and your immediate circumstances, guess what? That's called selfish living. That's why if we can send some guys back into the nations... And because we know in all the nations of the world, just like there's in our nation, the gospel's contaminated with greed. They put greed into the creed. The church is absolutely rancid with, with corruption. It is. So if we can get someone, righteous man, to go back and begin to pioneer who will not touch the things that others have touched, for the sake of a whole generation coming through, because I believe there's more that want this new church than want the old stuff. I really believe that. God is sifting out. Can we send the sheep back into where the goats are and clear the goats out of the arena? We can. So Daniel says, Alas, O Lord, your servant, the prophets, we spoke your name to the kings, the prince, and our fathers, and all the people of the land. We've sinned, we committed iniquity and wicked and rebellious. We turned aside from your commandments. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers. Notice which, how high this word went up. Watch. Your servants, the prophets, who spoke your name to the kings, the princes, and fathers and all the people of our land, they touched every sphere of society with the word. 
That's what we've got to do. We've got to touch every sphere of society with this word. Every, this word that the prophet spoke went through every sphere. And they all turned aside and rebelled. So, in Isaiah 45 verse 13, Daniel receives the revelation, but in, in, and he does that, he pr prays and fasts, but Isaiah 45 13 records what happened. He says, and I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness, and I will make all his ways straight. Wow. So God's going to raise up a leadership, a government, that's going to be different from the others. And he will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. Wow. But not for a price or for a reward. Wow. Do you realize Cyrus, to this day, they say that he was the first guy to compile human rights. The human rights, bill, the Bill of Human Rights that we have now, we, it's down to this fellow. No, it's been compiled and changed, but there's called, they call it the cylinder. The cylinder, it's one of, right now it's in the British Museum, and the British Museum won't give it back to the Iranians. Because right now it looks like a dog biscuit, but it holds the key. And, you know, they've researched and researched and researched. But right now, they know, it's all on the internet. You go on the internet, you can see the first human rights that Cyrus created. Do you know what it was? The well-being of other people. The well-being of other people. So when he, when he invaded and he took people, he treated his enemies with respect. And he rebuilt the cities for the well-being of the people. That was the first human right. This was a heathen king. Because Daniel's, because uh, Jeremiah prophesied and Daniel rose up, God brought a heathen king who could build in a righteous way. Do we not see if we pray for the city, not only will we prosper, but the whole place prospers? So God brought a change of government. Hello? God brought a change of government. How many nations around the world now are crying out for a change of government? Wow. That, this took place in 538 BC. Cyrus decreed, let the people go and return home. A heathen king. Wow. Wouldn't it be great if Tony Blair, uh, Tony Blair, sorry. I don't know why he came into my mind. Wouldn't it be great if David Cameron stood up and began to prophesy, we're going to build our nation under one God under one king, under one authority. You're more than welcome to stay, everybody else, but guess what? We're building under one king. His name ain't Allah. His name ain't Mohammed. His name is Jesus. You would all, wow, hallelujah. It'd be great if we could have a heathen king, David Cameron. Never mind, you know, they've all got a touch of religion in them when they need it. Religion's called votes. I'm not taken in by his religion. I'm not taken in by his weird faith. I'm not taken in with Tony Blair's weird faith. I know the God I serve. And I don't expect him, I don't expect him to every interview to start talking Jesus. That's not good for his politics. I understand that. But I expect him to, to run our country righteously. And all the other clowns in the cabinet. But listen, don't keep moaning about your government. Do something about it. 
Moaning about it is the easy thing. We can all pick a stone up. But what about putting the stone down and writing on the ground? Come on. I don't condemn you, therefore. Put your stone down. It's easy to criticize. So in Romans chapter 13, I'm glad you asked me to go there. So Romans 13, verse 1. It says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly, by the way. And I know through reading this scripture, it conjures up tons of questions. But let's not be afraid to talk about it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The good, the bad, the ugly. Consequently, he who rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted. Whoa. Put your stones down. Put your stones down right now. Every nation must be able to read this in its own context. Okay? Every believer, every church in its nation, irrespective of where they are around the world, has a context. Their government are doing dirt, certain things that are pressing people in certain ways. So each believer has to, will interpret this through their own context. But God's word has to, be, has to override all contexts, all cultures. God's word has its own context. Okay? You understand this? There's no justification for rebelling except, and I'll tell you what that is in a bit. Consequently, he who rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. That's true. But for those who do wrong, you never have to fear the policeman if you're not in trouble, if you've done nothing wrong. You can look at a policeman in the eye and stare him down. You've not done nothing. True? Some people, the very sight of a police car, oh, oh, oh. Why? Jog on. Go around me. So he said, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Yes. Of course we do. We don't want a dictatorship. Then do what is right and he will commend you. Oh, okay. For he is God's servant to do good. But, aha, here we go. But if you do wrong, be afraid. Be terribly afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. So our ruler has a sword. So in the nations around the world, I thought about this the other day, and this is not a clear, it's not the only answer, but it's just, I say this conjures up a lot of questions around the world where you've got people who are under, you know, dictatorship regimes where the people have no freedom whatsoever. You have to take a step beyond the government. You have to look at the people. How do the people behave in secret? Will determine what government God gives them. Hello. Did Israel have a good God? Did she have good leaders? Of course she did. Was she taken into captivity? Why? Because of the people, the forefathers, 
they lived, the way they thought, the way they didn't discipline their children, the way they didn't teach children, the way they didn't stick to what God had told them. Is it any different today? You must look at the people, not just necessarily. The government is a reflection of the people. God sees what you don't see. I've often wondered why certain nations have always stayed poor. Just maybe, and I'm saying this is just a suggestion. I'm not saying this is the gospel. Just maybe God sees something in the people that you and I don't see. Maybe God sees something that news reporters don't see and can't report. And maybe the government were once part of the people, so they know the ways of the people. All they've just done is been given great opportunities to exploit the people. Come on. Many of them come to the West to be trained, right? But if the heart is already wicked and deceitful, the West will just give them more power to become more deceitful. Come on. Pharaoh trains well. And Pharaoh's only got one interest, to keep his people enslaved. Come on, you've got to think how he does it. So our nation, you know, thank God that even in our nation, we've got, we know we've got corrupt politicians. Of course we have. We know that. But thank God, God's given us a government with stability. We've got the oldest democracy in the world. We call ours the mother of all parliaments. It's worked. And many nations around the world have used our democracy as a framework. We have a rich inheritance. But now, let's not be bragging about our past. Let's work about our future. Amen? So, those who do what's right, he'll commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. <laughs> Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. People don't have a conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. Oh, there's a big issue. One government wants to raise them, another one wants to lower them. So what will people do? I'll vote for the one who's going to lower them. For the authorities are God's servants. For the authorities are God's servants for the authorities are God's servants no you don't want to hear that put your stone down and use prayer as your weapon not your stone okay who give their full time to governing you must give your full time to governing not with taxes governing the city prayer give everyone what you owe him is that a fair rule? If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you can avoid it, rather than evade it, use a good accountant. Right? He's taught us about that before. Avoidance and evadance are two different issues. That's it. One's legal and one's illegal. Yeah? And now a good accountant knows how to move column A to column B. So find a good righteous... Go uh, what do you call them? Accountants, sorry. They also are from God. <laughs> a bad one can take you to hell. 
If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If it's honour, then honour. No one ever talks about that. Respect, respect, honour and honour. So everyone must submit to the governing authorities. If you have to submit to governing authorities, then don't you think you might want to get the right ones in power? Is that fair, Dinkum? I think so. There is no authority except that which Jesus Christ has established. Thank God. They didn't get in there, irrespective of the way the nation voted or didn't vote. Thank God the God-given. Pray for your government. He who rebels against authority is rebelling against God and what God has instigated. You see, you know, if this was in our conscience, if this was in the nation's conscience, can you imagine how less crime there would be? If this was taught in our schools, can you imagine how more productive our young generation would be? Rather than trying to find a way to scheme can you imagine if we respect the days when the policeman could slap you across the head? The days when a policeman could bring you home and kick you up the backside. The days when a neighbour could bring you into account. The day when we were transparent and we were at, when there was respect and honour. It did our nation a lot of good. A lot of good. I'm a product of a, of a policeman slapping me around the back of the head. You can, I know you can't imagine that, but it's true. It was good for me. I didn't think it at the time. I was the product of many a neighbour slapping me and bringing me home to my mum. It was good for me. <laughs> I was probably robbing them at the time. No, I wasn't. But no, it was good for me. I am what I am today because of those morals and values. And I think they were good. In fact, I know they were good. Accountability is good. Do you want to be free from fear? Of the one in authority, then we must do what is right before God. If we want to do what's right before God, we'll get the right government. If we want, if we have no desire to do this, then why do we expect God to give us a good government? A remnant must always be the reason why God moves. Why God will hold back his wrath. Well, God, well, why God will hold back a dictator coming through. One remnant can cause God to stop that. That's powerful. I wish I could have a radio show right now, a TV show to preach this. I really would. I really do, I should say. God's government is God's servants to sent to do us good. You definitely want to pray for a right government. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he doesn't bear the sword for nothing. He has the power to whip us. The government, I mean. Every wicked, evil government is given for a reason. Wow. Wow. Think about that. I've often thought, why does God allow these dictators? I'm beginning to see. We just look at the government, we never look at the people. This is why we pay taxes. Taxes help rebuild the nation. Keep the nation in good spirit. Keep the nation in good health. With taxes, you listen, it's wrong to expect the nation to give you something. It's wrong. Do what you can to put into the system. None of us like paying taxes, do we? None of us do. 
but we all feel the benefit. Well, I'm paying for it. Well, you're still a benefit. Sometimes we get more than we pay for, and other times we get a lot less. That's just the way it is. Suck it up. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 1.10, he says, See today I appoint you over nations. This is the role of us now, the role of the church. Jeremiah 1.10, see, see today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. One man. The same man that, Jesus, that God spoke this to was the same one who prophesied out of captivity. Hello? It's time, he says, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? The word of the Lord will always, de- so what you prophesy will always depend on what we can see. If you're in captivity and captivity is inside you, then you can never see accurately. You'll always see by your emotions. You'll always see what you're not getting rather than the one who wants to show you. When God says, what do you see? He's trying to show you something specific. He wants to get your attention so you see that what he sees You've given the mind of Christ to see what he sees. I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I'm watching to see if my word is fulfilled. So right now, when Jeremiah was in in captivity and God began to tell him, what did he see? He said, I see a time when the Lord's got plans for us. He's got plans to give us hope and he's got plans to give us a future. And if we go and call on God, God will begin to hear from heaven and he'll begin to speak to us and he'll begin to show us how to get out of captivity and move towards freedom. Hello? He'll do that. So what he's saying is, is Jeremiah was in captivity. Daniel saw it. Now it's our turn. What do we see for our nation? Well, I see our nations in captivity. And I see myself and you, and us, I should say, as a Jeremiah and a Daniel. I see we've been given the responsibility and an opportunity to bring us out. Can you see this, church? We can't just, we're not here just to come on a Sunday. We're here for a bigger purpose. The destiny of our nation is being put in our hands, the church's hands. Do you see this? What do you see? What you see will always determine. How you get out the mess? Well, I see it's not my fault. See, it was, it was, it was my forefathers. So blame, I can blame. Put the stone down. I see God's got plans and I hope. You know, this, I believe God's got great plans for our nation. It, despite I see mosques being built. Listen, Islam's not our only problem. Islam's not our biggest enemy, despite what some would say. Humanism is our biggest enemy. Secondly, humanism. Don't be focusing. That's a deflection to think Islam is your enemy. It might not be your friend, but it's not your biggest. Humanism, and it sits in every one of us. That's why the church has gone liberal. Because of his humanism. Ralph, Ralph, can I have that slide up, please? See on there, I stole this. From Melbourne. Stole it. That's not literally stole it. They gave it me. But I mean, I'm using what they've got. They've got a banner on their wall. Here before you here, you see media, government, education, economy, arts and entertainment, religion and family. They are called mountains. These are the mountains that make up our society. 
okay? These are mountains. Everyone see this? These are mountains. Right now, we all know the power of the media. We all know how she contaminates and she's filthy. She lies, right? So we see the mountain of entertainment is very polluted. We see the mountain, I hate the mountain of religion. I hate it. Uh, the family is a massive family because it affects every other mountain. If you haven't got the family right, society's corrupt. Society's fragmented. So family's a major mountain. Government. This is what we're, we're, we're coming to our voting uh, booths this week to pray for a righteous government. Government affects everything because they set the legislation. Yes? They set the legislation. Education. That's where Pharaoh begins to set his philosophies. Schools, colleges, universities, and any other academies. Uh, ac what they call it? Acad academia, thank you. Academia that teaches and educates people and influences people. They teach you with philosophies, which are all spirit-driven, humanistic in their core. So we see that all these mountains are against the church. And every one of these mountains is inside the church. Because the people bring them in. Hello? These are very, very real. Now, in Scripture, the Bible has a lot to talk about these mountains. I'm just going to put it on your radar today. Though you can see seven mountains, there is eight. Zion is the next mountain. Zion is the, is the mountain. Deuteronomy chapter 1, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into a land you're entering, possess and drive out before your, sorry, possess and drives out before you many nations. Listen to the nations, seven nations. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. How many's on there? Stronger than you. You getting this? And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. You getting this? Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Wow. Don't give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. That's exactly what they do. For they will turn your sons away from following me and serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Wow. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altar, smash their sacred stones, cut down their ashlar poles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of this earth to be his people and his treasured possession. Seven nations who are stronger. 
So some people have said seven nations equals, these are the seven areas, these are nations, these are powers that influence our society. These, and the church, or God's people, we're still God's people, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God, we're still God's people, okay? Though the, though the, the focus has changed now into the church, God's saying, do not give these any room in your nation. Do not give them any room in the nation. Be very careful because they'll take your sons and daughters. That should frighten you right there. They'll take your sons and daughters. Pharaoh will educate them and then they'll take your sons and daughters and you'll never see them. They'll never be with you again. They'll be taken away into work. They'll be so frightened of the system that they God, I've got to do this because if I don't, I'll lose my job. They'll take your sons and daughters. And you think, well, oh, my son's got a good job. Yeah, at what price? He's a slave. He's a slave in the mountain. It's amazing how many Christians don't come to church because of their job and they say, God's blessing me. Well, I don't like your God. Because my God has not made me a slave to a system. Be careful when you're educating your children where you send them. So notice the Lord said that these nations were greater and mightier than Israel. God's saying that these are bigger than you, Israel. But don't fear, don't freak out, don't panic, because anxiety is no good. He said God would be equal and will join you in the battle against them. God will be equal and join with us in the battle. God will be equal and God will join with us in the battle. Come on. God will join us. So the church seems weak, but God will join us. And when God joins us, we become more powerful. When God joins the remnant, the remnant are the most strongest powerful force on the earth. Moses said, don't fear for the Lord your God fights for you. He's going to fight for us. Joshua 4, sorry, Joshua 10.42 says this, All these kings and all their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord, the God, Israel, fought for Israel. All those nations were destroyed under Joshua. <laughs> so if God can join Joshua and defeat those nations, Christ has to join the church. Well, I should say the church has to join Christ so that Christ can sit on all those mountains. Can you see this? When the church serves the same God that Joshua served, then God will not forsake us. Jesus is the mighty one, is a mighty man of war who fights for his church. Wow. Eight is the number. Though there's seven mountains, there is eight because Zion sits on them all. This is why you must enter Zion. Eight, we've been reading all year that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Christ revealed, the church reformed, the city transformed. So when Zion begins to influence our, our society, it begins to invade the church, Christ is revealed. When Christ is revealed, we see things. We see that our nation's in captivity. We see we have a role. We see we have a voice. 
We see we can have a platform. So we start moving and we utilize what God's given us. Yes? And then as, as we begin to see, it, that word begins to reform us. We get stronger. We're no longer the same church. We, become, we come to recognize that we have power and influence in our society. We can change atmospheres. Now the church is being reformed. The work, so if we take Christ and we, take, and we can start changing atmospheres, those atmospheres will start transforming society. Little by little. Bit by bit. In your family, in your workplace, in your street. You begin to do it bit by bit. You're not going to stand on the top of one of those mountains. Chances are, you might not get into that mountain to that point of influence in it. But you can start somewhere. Many of you are going for jobs, but you've got to see there's a mountain. You're in a job that serves a mountain. I'll say that again. Many of you work for companies, go for jobs, get employment, look for promotion, but the companies that you serve is under a mountain. And your mountain suppresses, but you've got to be careful that it doesn't suppress you. Don't think, oh, God's given me a promotion and live like a scuffer. Zion should be in you. So eight is a number representing the transition of a new order. Eight was the number of people who entered the ark, who transitioned from the old to the new. Eight represents the end of the old and the beginning of the new. God created all things in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, but then began again on the Monday. The eighth day it's called. David was born of the eighth son of Jesse. David being the one who established the tabernacle of praise. The one whose tabernacles we're going to see in the end time. The eighth note on a piano starts a new octave. God required all children to be circumcised on the eighth day. You can go on and on. Eight is significance. This eighth mountain, Zion, is going to have its moment. Isaiah 2, 2 says this. In the last days... The mountains of the Lord's temple will be established as a chief of the mountains. It will be raised over the hills and all the nations will stream to it. In the last days, whose mountain? God's mountain. God's mountain is going to sit on all the other mountains and all the other mountains are going to stream to it. They're going to say, let us go to Zion. We have been called to start that process. You seen this? Daniel 2.44, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will then be destroyed, nor will it be left to any other people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. This is Zion. How many of you glad you're part of this? Can you see why God's asking us to speak about this this morning? I said, can you see why? Don't just hear what I'm saying. Can you see why? We are coming to the, uh, the voting pools, uh, booths this week. We have a responsibility to make an impact. Your vote is just one aspect, just one aspect. Now, everyone, everyone who has an email in this church was sent the manifesto of every party. Come on. Whether you read the email or not, if you didn't, shame on you. If you did, good on you. So we did our part. We sent, well, Jenny did our, our, our majority of the work. She tracked down 
For us, good on you, Jim. Power, Jim. She tracked him down. I put the, the first part. She did the second. Why? To give you an understanding of how these political parties are thinking. Right? Because they're moving us towards the voting polls. They're all offering you something. They're all promising you something. And what we want to give you, we're not telling you who to vote for. That's not right for me to say vote Conservative, Labour, Lib Dems, SNP, UKIP. UKIP I don't know, is there more? Yeah, probably. Probably a lot more, isn't there? It's like the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't there? There's only a few of them's going to chance to win. The rest of them you don't want to hear. Don't pick a colour. You'd be surprised how people vote. Well, I'm blue. I'm always blue. I can't vote for red. Do you know one guy in church, a friend of mine, said, I went to pray for someone. I've got a United shirt on. Also, I've got a Liverpool shirt on. And this guy won't let him pray for him. He said, you're Liverpool, I'm Man United. I can't, I can't let you pray for me. You're thinking, are you stupid? He let a colour be his prejudice. No, we laugh at that, but that's pathetic. And you know what I'd have done? I'd have slapped him and said, no, see if your God can heal that. That is stupid. What is it? Stupid. That's a special kind of stupid. So everyone was given an email. Everyone's got an email. We give you an email in the church for a reason. So we can get things out to you so that you are empowered and equipped to do the things that God is asking us. Sunday morning can't be the only time you're hearing things. If you don't open your email and don't pay attention, guess what? I can't do the rest. I can only send it. Don't pick a colour. Promise me you won't pick a colour. My spirit will go with you. If see you picking a colour, you're dead. You're dead. Don't choose a candidate based on your mother and father. Well, my dad was always Labour. And his father was always Labour. My mother was in labor, so that must mean that that was the prophetic symbol I needed. Mum was in labor, so we're all labor. It's stupid. It's pathetic. Be a man, be a woman, wise up, and vote for yourself. Have a conscience. Don't just say, is it, am I right saying in Australia, you get, you're in, everyone's got to vote? See, they're forced to vote. It's compulsory. You get fined. I think we should have that. Last election, 48% of the nation voted, dictating the rest. 52% of the nation was dictated to by the 48. So I said to Carol last night, we're having this conversation. I told you, I drilled Carol. I said, Carol, who are we voting for? You'd be surprised what came out. <laughs> it was funny. I said, honey. She said, why? Just leave me. I said, honey, we can't. We've got to go as one. We've got to put our minds together. This is, we've got to think about what God is saying to us as a church, how God wants us to put our vote. We are one. It's not your vote, it's our vote. We are one. She said, well, it's private. I said, darling, we've been married 30 years. There ain't no secrets. I said, whether you vote for him, them, it's not a secret. But if it's the wrong one, I'll kill you. <laughs> So we talked about this. We keep talking about it. Why? Because we are one. We're one. Though we've got two votes, it's one mind. 
Get your partner. Your partner's entitled to, to have a thought. Don't bully them, but reason together. Come, let us reason together. Find out where you're putting your vote, why you're putting your vote. Don't pray for the one who's, who's got the best speech. We gave you those the, the, um, manifesto so that you could align it with heaven and say, Lord, show me by the Spirit which one you want me to vote. Lord, I'm praying for a righteous government. Don't just do that when you get to the vote. Boat. I'm going to fleece it. Whatever my finger lands, Lord, I'll take that as the, as the party you want me to vote for. Stupid! You want God to bless that immaturity? Have confidence when you go to vote. The Holy Ghost would have already spoken to you. Don't get to the voting booth and then say, excuse me, I need, a, I need a booth so I can pray. <laughs> Don't pray in there, just go to vote. Just like when you come to church, you shouldn't be praying what you're going to give. The Bible says you should have already done that at home. Do you know, if we'd, have all, if we'd all do that, then the faith preacher would have no ammunition. He wouldn't have to say his $1,000 seed will give you this, this, that. If we all prayed at home and decided in our heart before we got there, we'll cut this nonsense out. Last scripture, Luke, 2, Luke 12, verse 11. Luke 12, verse 11. When you're brought before the synagogue rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. For the Holy Ghost will teach you at that time what you should say or what we should do. Have confidence. We are the remnant who is about to affect our nation. Yesterday when I was going to prepare and to speak to you, I was going to speak to you about something completely different. It doesn't matter what I was going to speak on now, but it wasn't the right thing. I would much rather, I'm glad I've spoke about this. Why? Because what we've done now is provoke your conscience of how you will vote. We cannot stand here on a Sunday and building in the spirit and praying, speaking to our city and have no conscience about how we go to the voting pool. If, God, if we want to be a governing house, God is going to pull us up on these things. Come on, church. Some of you are not there yet. I appreciate that. But let the one who is making the journey bring you to where I am. Okay? I'm passionate about this because I believe this is what God's showing us. I'm going to go into that voting pool this week. I'm going to put my head up high. God, I'm going to get a righteous government. God, I don't care if it's blue, red, yellow, or whatever. Just don't give us SMP. Why? Listen, why? I don't want to devalue Britain. I want to keep it together. That's not working for our interest. That's not working for the kingdom. We're a better nation together. Amen? I married one. I'm going to keep her. I took one of those nations, but was stronger than I, and I brought her and we tamed her. Now she's the love of my life. She's not here this morning. She's not well. She's got a water infection, so I left her in bed. 
I think she'll be playing this afternoon. Let's stand to our feet, if we will. Let's just begin to bring our nation back to God. With a remnant. Do you believe you're a remnant? You're the, you're the Jeremiah generation. Who God is going to use and is using and has used to bring our nation out of captivity. I tell you, this message, this message is powerful. Go to the nations, you can preach this anywhere. Because this affects nations, this message. You change your terminology because some of the parties, obviously, are not conservative and labor. It doesn't matter. The spirit's the same. The message is the same. Call your nation out of captivity. Call your, call your nation. As you bring your calling, calling your nation out of captivity, your area, your, your city comes out of captivity. Your area comes out of captivity. Your street comes out of captivity. Families are coming out of captivity. We're going to the mountains. We'll talk a lot more about these mountains. Something that God's really spoke to me of. Now's the time to talk about these mountains. I've known these mountains now for the last three years. Never felt the release of God to talk about them. I said to Phil, when it's Australia, we need to talk about these mountains. Because that's where we're going as a church. Into these mountains. Zion, we're going into Zion. Let's, let's really get into Zion. We get, let's establish Zion. And wherever Zion falls, it'll sit on the mountain. If we can really get Zion into us, the move of God, the kingdom of God into us through Zion, the move of Zion. I tell you, you can send people into a mountain, but if they've got no Zion, forget it. You've just got people working in jobs. But if you can get Zion into people, the manifestation of the kingdom, guess what? You can sit in your office and have, and have the power to influence. We only want to influence. We're not looking to be the boss. We're looking to influence because influence is the new authority. Amen? Some people have authority but no influence. We've got, a, we've got influence. That is the authority. Try that on your kids when you've got no influence. You'll see how much power you've got. But when you've got influence, see how much power you've got. Come on, let's raise our hands and ask the Lord to give us our nation. Didn't say give us David Cameron. Didn't say give us, you know, uh, what's the other fella called? Ed Miliband. Oh, Lord, help him. <laughs> Nick Clegg. Didn't ask him to give you what she called the, the S&P lady. Sarah. Nicholas, sorry. Nicholas Sturgeon and Farage. More like a Ferrari. I don't know about Farage. Lord, these faces are coming up. We cannot wake up with the wrong government. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Come on, let's begin to praise kingdom. Lord, awaken my conscience. We started off with saying, Lord, give me the eyes to see. Give me the heart to capture. Give me the mind to think. You've been given a lot of information this morning, a lot of ministry inside your heart to make a quality decision. Oh, Father, right now. Come on, church. Begin to open your mouth if you will. You're never going to change your nation with your mouth closed. Holy Ghost, right now, stir your body. Move your body, oh God, to, to, to vote, to make a good choice. A wise choice, oh God, a righteous choice, a heavenly choice. Father, move your body this week. Move your body. Lord, we don't have to know about politics. We just need to be moved by the Spirit. Move us by the Spirit this week. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, let your kingdom come in Great Britain. Let your will be done in Great Britain. 
Let Christ be revealed in Great Britain. Give us a righteous government, O oh God. A righteous government who will make, it will serve you, O oh God. It will serve your purposes. Oh God, just like Cyrus. Give us a Cyrus. Give us a Cyrus, O oh God, who will, who will build this nation for the betterment of the people. Father, give us a Cyrus. Give us Jeremiah's. Give us Daniel's. Who will prophesy the way out. Who will not be contaminated by the, the, by the um, slavery. But oh God, give us men who can see by the Spirit. Women of God in this house who can prophesy the church out of the cave.